0: Hey, friends. Welcome back to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. So if you're watching this episode over on the YouTube channel, you may notice that our setup is a little bit different today. And I have a guest that you may or may not be familiar with. Uh, this has been a long time coming. I have been producing this podcast since 2019. And I have yet to have my husband on the podcast.
1: Finally get me, me out of the shadows. He's
0: finally out of the shadows. He's actually coming out of the shadows quite a bit more lately. And uh, it wasn't that I didn't want to have him on. We've had lots of conversations about all the things we could talk about, uh, but it just never lined up with our schedules. And then we were trying to figure out how to do our mics and it was a lot of excuses. So
1: it Sounds like a lot, a lot of excuses.
0: Here we are. We are here. Um, honestly, we've talked about half the time just turning on the mics and letting it record our very passionate brainstorming session.
1: <laughs> Sometimes they get pretty interesting. really
0: interesting. The other day, our um, employees, Taryn and Kayla, listening, we were hashing out something. Oh, we were looking at we were talking about billboards for the soda fountain, putting up a billboard along the interstate and Mm -hmm. our typical fiery interchange and Taryn and Kayla were just like cracking up. So anyway, I don't know if we'll do that or not. You probably don't want to listen to that conversation, but maybe on some of our masterminding we'll we'll let you come along for the ride. Hopefully not scare anyone off.
1: We might have to put some disclaimers in there. We're too sometimes they get a little fiery.
0: fiery. We're too type A. Are you you're type A. Are you type
1: A? Yeah. You don't know.
0: Well, I mean, I do. How but would you married? call yourself as Type A? I oh, never absolutely. heard you call you. Okay, we're both Type A, so sometimes, sometimes it works really well. Anyway, today's topic is a topic that was submitted by a follower over on Instagram uh, a few weeks ago. I asked what you guys wanted to hear me talk about on the podcast. This one came up, and this is such a good topic. I didn't want to just stick it in the Q and A episode I did a few weeks back. I wanted to dedicate a whole episode to it. And I thought this was a great one to have Christian, uh, share around as well. And that is, what do you do when your spouse isn't into homesteading? We have a lot of uh, women, especially listening to this podcast. We have some guys too. It's not all women, but a lot of women, it skews female. And I get this question a lot over the years or have received it. You know, they're into the homesteading. They're driving forward into natural living and eating better and getting the cows and the chickens, but their husband's not sure. So. I want to talk about strategies
1: so why are they not sure what is the what is the what do you, what do you think is the main hold up
0: well we got it we'll get into that
1: jump, oh, okay. jump,
0: don't jump ahead okay. okay so first off i just want to say uh christian wasn't anti-homesteading when we started would you say you're anti-homesteading
1: no i wasn't anti-homesteading i think it was more i was too busy for homesteading i guess i had a lot of things going on in my my own world so to speak
0: yeah. And I, you were into the idea of opting out of the systems. Like our first, I think it was our first date. We talked about owning cows someday.
1: Yeah. We both really- had the idea. We <laughs> wanted to be separate from, you know, not that there's anything wrong with the systems that are existing in current society, but we wanted to be a, a, as far away from those as we could. Even though we don't totally live off grid now, we still wanted to be, you know, we wanted to have ultimate responsibility for everything that we had going on. And, you know, I think for myself, it probably took a while for me to recognize some of the, benefits and the advantages that what Joe was learning and pushing for on a day-to-day life while i was still off working
0: and yeah so initially when we had those conversations we didn't know homesteading existed like we i mean we're like the og homesteaders not like 1800s style but like we were doing it before there was tiktok and youtube and instagram it was not trendy it was not cool it was just weird back then that wasn't something that
1: we got inspired by by seeing that either no i literally wanted this from the time that i was like five years old i wanted to be we
0: wanted the land though.
1: well we wanted the land but i wanted to be as far away from society here again not necessarily the whole off-grid prepper type mindset of i want to live in a bunker but i wanted to just be i wanted to be self-sustaining i wanted to be out in the middle of nowhere i didn't want to live on a corner lot with a white picket fence and two little dogs running around the yard I I wanted something much more complicated than that, even though at that time, you know, it wasn't all over TikTok, it wasn't mainstream, it was just, it was just something I was drawn to.
0: We were more like rural living was like, to us, the apex. I remember just thinking when we were first married, I don't want to be like everyone else. I just like, because I knew, you know, you go to college, you graduate high school, you go to college, you get married, and that's like checking off all the boxes, and then you're supposed to have the kids, get the minivan, and you're done. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking... I can't, I I just can't do that. I cannot do that. I'm like, how can I continue to be blazing a different path? And I didn't know what it was. Like we, we thought that maybe buying the property when we bought it was, that was our big move. That was our big step. Would you, would you.
1: Agree no, for sure. I think we saw it as a big adventure.
0: Yeah. But we didn't know, like we were still eating ramen noodles and macaroni and cheese.
1: Yeah, we hadn't ventured necessarily down the homesteading path yet. At least in my mind, the thing that I was attracted to, the thing that I didn't want when we were still renting and we hadn't bought our own property was I didn't want something else that had just been set up in society. Like you got this, you know, where they've taken this monster ranch and they've divided it up into 40 acre sections and they've got homes or they've got, you know, covenants and they've got HOAs and they've got all of this rules and all this stuff in order to live there. On these paved little roads. And I was like, absolutely not. I don't want to live anywhere near that. I want to live on the raw ground that has not been developed. It hasn't been subdivided. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to go out and be able to afford a multi million dollar ranch because that's kind of. Honestly, even in today's world, that's kind of the, that's kind of the two extremes that you get. It's hard to find, at least here, it's hard to find chunks of ground that haven't been divided up into that tract. So that was my mindset. It didn't necessarily, I didn't relate it at that point to, okay, how do we have a garden and how do we have a milk cow and how do we do that kind of stuff? It was just more, I wanted the rawness of it yet. And I didn't fully, you know, I didn't know how to fully experience that at that point yet.
0: And also, I just want to say there's nothing wrong if you guys, if a lot of you are probably living in a place with a HOA, you can still homestead there. It's great. It's fine. There's, there's advantages to that. Sure.
1: You're probably way closer
0: to services than we are. We're just, we've always been like, let's be wild and free and crazy. That's just us. So that wasn't a judgment on it. No, that's
1: not a dog towards anybody else. That's just simply where, where my mindset was, even still today of what I, what I want looking forward in the future.
0: So. We've got this land, we were both totally on board. We both loved this purchase. We had that going for us. And then you were super busy with your career at that point. You were electrician and then you were wind what was the sequence? Wind farm. You know I, I, I remember it a long time ago wind farm and then you went to the college and yeah. were teaching, you were like developing a program. So he was climbing it up the ladder in his career. I was home with the baby, first baby. You guys have heard the story before. I started to go like stir crazy like Woo-hoo, like couldn't like not good because I need more to do. And that's when I started to look into the gardens and the compost piles and the chickens and the goats. And so when I started to bring those pieces in, what were your initial thoughts to that? Like when I said, let's get dairy goats and I was like eight months pregnant.
1: I think on the outside, I was super excited about it because it just was more towards that lifestyle that I was pushing for. And I like adventures. I I like complicated things. I like things that look like they're going to be hard. I like things that look like they're going to be uncomfortable. I like things. I like doing things that, you know, we don't have all of the, the answers to. So, in some ways, Jill and I both have pretty. We've kind of been. You know, we kind of live by the seat of our pants, so to speak. And, you know, it's like we get this wild crazy idea of, oh, let's go get goats, or oh, let's go get a milk cow or oh, let's start a business. You know, and it's like in 24 hours, we've already started it. Where, you know, some people will sit around for weeks and months and years and think about it and never do anything. Where we're like, no, let's let's jump right on this. So I think initially my reaction was, yeah, let's do it. But then you know, I probably had a little bit of hesitation from the standpoint of going, you know, I'm already working 14 or 16 hours a day. So I hope you don't think I'm going to milk these goats.
0: I think we had that conversation.
1: <laughs> I think I was all about it. But and I, yeah. I wasn't even afraid of like drinking the goat milk or any of that. I wasn't turning up my nose, but I'm like, okay, this is cool. It can be your thing. And well, we and, went from yeah. that.
0: And that's, I think, maybe is different with our story than maybe someone who's struggling with this in their own relationship. You were you've always been my enabler with animal purchases. (laughs)
1: It's like, There is
0: no voice of reason in this
1: relationship.
0: It's like, let's bring home a puppy. Okay, cool. Like no matter what's happening, we'll always bring home something else.
1: Or let's go buy 50 calves.
0: Yeah. It's just, I don't know. That's, that's a whole thing. But so you, you were always supportive of the animals. And if I was like, let's build something you like to build. So that's an easy sell. I think. For me in those early years though, kind of what you said, yes, yes, yes. To all the things you built me a garden fence, you rode to till the garden, but then I was kind of on my own with that. And I I mean, you would till the garden, you, you would get it set up and then I, you wouldn't step foot in the garden for like until the next year. Yeah. And what was kind of, I know you were really busy with your career because it was really time consuming at that point. Where was your mind at as I was getting more and more entrenched in this lifestyle you know i was trying to get rid of all the processed foods eat completely organic grow everything make everything i know some of those parts you weren't quite as excited about once we got into that stage like certain foods you st- i think you struggled with well to be fair some of them it wasn't very
1: good maybe <laughs>
0: <laughs> um what were you what was you, what was going on in your mind when i was like full on homestead lady and you were in town
1: working i think initially i was still when i was still heavy duty in the construction world before i had quit my job and come home so to speak you know so we're talking eight ten years ago um I was concentrating at that point on how do I climb the career ladder in the field that I'm in. I'm an electrician, so I wanted to figure out how to, you know, I want to be the best electrician that I can be. I want to be a foreman. I want to run bigger jobs. I You know, there again, my my professional life wasn't really any different than my personal life. I wanted the bigger, more complicated stuff. I was my happiest when I was completely buried at work. So I think to a certain degree, I probably had this mindset of, okay, this homesteading thing, whatever that is, is kind of Jill's thing. She's going to do that with the kids. It keeps her happy. and keeps her mind going. But away from that, you know, that's not really my thing. I hadn't... It wasn't that I wasn't supportive and like, you know, I, I know I was an able, I know I was an enabler, in fact, making things more complicated just because we both liked that. But at the end of the day, it wasn't like, okay, yeah, let's great. Let's start a garden and I'll be out there every single day helping you in the garden. You know, I'd come home after 14 hours a day and be like, nah, cool. I, I don't need to be, I don't need to see the garden or, you know, maybe on a, a Sunday I would be like, Hey, uh, I would like to have a nap. But Jill's got this like laundry list of things that need to be done and fences that need to be built and corrals that need to be built and greenhouses and, you know, all this stuff that I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, like, I need a day off. So I'm sure to a certain degree this could have been, this could have come across in Jill's mind and in her world, like I wasn't totally supporting her. You know, this was her dream, you know, and where am I providing the rest of the foundation sure i enable you to go get this stuff but then i don't help build the infrastructure that supports all of that so and i own up to that i understand that and that you know that that time that took me a while to see just really probably because i was working you know 80 hours a week somewhere else
0: yeah
1: and it wasn't 80 hours a week on the homestead and here again it wasn't like i didn't love this place because we spent literally i mean it was like nobody had lived in this place for three years when we bought it And so we spent every waking minute we had outside fixing fences and fixing buildings and putting new roofs on stuff. And I mean, and I loved all of that. And I would say really probably the homesteading journey might not even have taken off until we had a lot of those things fixed. But it was just, I I still love to work, but it was kind of that disconnect that, you know, is this for me or is this for Jill or is this a, is this a family thing?
0: Yeah. And I felt, I, I always felt you were connected in, like you said, with the building and the infrastructure when you were available, there was times you weren't available. I remember that one summer, I think I was pregnant with Bridger. I think you were working ninety hours a week and you were on call. It was just, it was grueling. Um, but I always felt your support and excitement over the building. I think the part where I always felt was like, you're not as excited was, uh, the, the pieces that were like food related gardening related. Like, I don't know. This is my perception. It could be wrong. I feel like if six, seven years ago, eight years ago, I would have just stopped cooking from scratch with a few exceptions, but I would have just gone back to like box macaroni and cheese and like tater tots and stuff. You probably wouldn't have been super upset no, I don't, no you... I don't
1: i don't i don't agree with that you i think no, that. i don't agree with that <laughs> I, I' I've always liked your home cooking and especially how that has advanced <laughs> <Is> it... <laughs> throughout the years compared to maybe initially when we mm-hmm. first got married but so yeah maybe I still wasn't sold into it to the to the same degree you know if we'd had you know frozen green beans out of the uh, bag from the grocery store versus frozen green beans out of the bag, you know, that you'd frozen last year out of our garden. I don't know at that particular point and whether it would have really resonated with me too much. You know, I think uh I liked the fact that when we had our milk cow or even when we were still making goats, you know, I liked the fact that we had our own milk. I liked the fact that we were making our own bread. I liked the fact that we were making our own butter. I liked all of that kind of stuff. So I would say there, you know, there was an area there where I was a little bit disconnected from, but not maybe quite. You as... would have
0: missed it if it went up. First. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then, I don't know, it, something switched a, a couple of years ago. And it wasn't like, so you came home. What do we call that phase? You came home from your, I, I hate to say you quit your job because you still had a job and it was a different type of job. You quit your conventional employment in 2015. Yeah. And then we started, we we renovated our house, which was like a full-time gig and yeah. then you've been doing a variety of things since and it wasn't right after you came home but it, it was like probably three years ago maybe a little yeah, more
1: i would say probably three or four years
0: i think something switched and it went from me conceptualizing let's build this chicken tractor let's do this let's make the garden bigger to you started coming up with those ideas and you're like let's get more meat chickens what if we try this what if we cure our own hams like what changed
1: I don't know if I said anything about curing hands. Okay,
0: well, <laughs> example.
1: <laughs> no, I think that's a good point. And I think really some of that probably just came from the fact that I, I was at home and I was watching how all these systems were working together. I'm an infrastructure guy. Like, that's just how my brain works. I want to see how things work. And then I I'm constantly analyzing, are we doing this the most efficient way? And a lot of times Jill was not, not because she wasn't an efficient person, but because she was by herself. You know, she was running, she was trying to raise three kids and she was trying to run businesses and she was trying to homestead all at the same time while I was out working 90 hours a week. So when I came home and I started to see this stuff, now it wasn't so much a judgment on Jill, but it was like, okay, I have something to offer here besides feeling like I was just getting nagged to, hey, I've got this laundry list. I need you to build this. I need you to build this. I need you to fix this. Wind blew this door off, blah, 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 whatever. You know, or, or you've got some wild idea about let's put in, you know, 24 raised garden beds or something like that. It's I started to see that as okay, I have something that I can bring to the table here. I have solutions to this. So when it came to raising meat chickens, you know, I'm like, we could build a chicken tractor on our own. We live in a pretty harsh environment. So, you know, our typical chicken tractor, like you might see Joel Salatin have that that wasn't going to work for us even though it, there was a time where I really wanted it to. Work. yeah it was like <laughs> why can't you just build things like everybody else build things and, and it took me a while it took it took me a while to convince and it probably took jill a while to recognize my engineering brain and how okay i can see what you're saying like you know, you wanted a greenhouse that maybe was made out of pallets and some <laughs> he saran wrap.
0: Pallets, like we've had more fights over pallets. <laughs> like everyone on Pinterest uses pallets. He's like, I will not use pallets.
1: I'm not going like to use pallets. so many you, know what you use pallets over for? pallets. Bonfires. Oh my gosh, that's what you use pallets for.
0: <laughs> but to be fair, I my personality is more like let's get it done, and his he has more the engineering personality, so it works well once we come to terms. But sometimes yeah, it took a I'm, while. Yeah.
1: Not that we were fighting every day. No. And not even that we were fighting, but it takes a time where husband and wives have to work together. They have to figure that out. And we went through like multiple transition periods in our marriage because everybody that gets married goes through a transition period of, okay, what is this dynamic going to look like? What does this relationship look like? The husband works, the wife works, wife stays at home, whatever those, whatever that is, you go through this period and you're like, okay, this is how it's going to be. And this is how it's going to work. Well, we did that. And we figured that out. And then all of a sudden we changed it again because now I wasn't going off to work 80 hours somewhere else. I was working 80 or a hundred or maybe even more hours from home. So we had to relearn, okay, what does this mean? And I had to recognize, you know, there was a period there where I literally had to recognize, here's the things that Jill has learned how to do in the last, say, eight or 10 years that I've been gone out in my own career field because... You know, people say this all the time. They're like, well, she's just a stay-at-home mom or she's just whatever. That's not, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Like Jill had a career here. She not, not only was building businesses, but she was learning how to be a mother. She was learning how to raise kids and she was learning how to homestead. So it took me a while to go, okay, I, I acknowledge, you know, what you have learned here. And then the f- vice versa of that is, is it took Jill a while to recognize, okay, yeah, you weren't just out like, you know, bagging groceries for the last 12 years of your life you were actually running these big jobs you have all kinds of construction experience and building experience and engineering experience and all this stuff that i can now bring to the table so i know there was some times where we had some fights where i'm where you're like hey let's build it this way and i'm like that yeah. won't work
0: yeah because i like i just wanted to it. put it up and get it done or i always find a picture on pinterest be like they did it and you're like that won't work because we live in wyoming and we have wind and we have hail and i'm like let's just try it and you're like no, I don't want to waste
1: time. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. So now we do No, eventually. It still happens, though. Not as much. Not as much, but it's, it's still much. where you, where I, I'm like, hey, this won't work. And you're like, uh, are you saying doing that, doing that, that to get out of doing something? <laughs> or are you saying it because it really won't work? I,
0: I will concede that you were right on the greenhouse. The, greenha- the greenhouse is still a, here. an Armageddon-proof greenhouse has been a good choice.
1: Yeah, it is still standing. A good choice. The uh,
0: little Knock paper on ones wood. on Pinterest would not have been a good idea. No. Um, so yeah, that's good insight. Um, in those early years, so I get, well, hold on just to recap. Sounds like what really caused you to fully engage was when you started to take ownership.
1: Take some ownership and feel like I had something to offer. Yeah. Now it became more, you know, it became more of a, my thing, but in a, in a family thing, mainly because I felt like I had something to offer versus, you know, just and I hate to use the word nagging because I don't feel like you necessarily nagged me on, you know, weekends that I was home or time that I had off or whatever, you know, it was, hey, we need to, to do this, where I wasn't really super excited about it. Because I think there are people, even in the circles that I was running and, you know, people would be like, you know, they sell milk at the grocery store. Yeah. Why do you need to milk a cow every day? Or, you know, they sell butter at the grocery store or they sell green beans at the grocery store. Why do you need to do that? I wasn't that far out. But I was also like, you know, there's enough big things going on in my world right now that if we have to go buy milk at the grocery store, to me, it's not, the, not a deal breaker. But for Jill, it was more of a deal breaker because she had set herself up for this is what I'm doing. This is my lifestyle. This is whatever. So,
0: And, and that's an interesting point. The friends that you were hanging out with then, whether they were just friends after work or they were friends on the job site were very conventional because, well, there was very little homesteading oh, back then. So everyone was way more conventional. So you were in that world where they're like, why are you buying a milk cow when you can get milk at the store? And I didn't have any friends and I was living on the online world with the handful of homesteaders. And so to me, well, yeah. who buys their milk at the store? Like that's weird. And no one does that anymore. And we would have those conversations and I would say, no one does this. And he's like,
1: Everybody, <laughs> who are you talking this? about? Because like we they were, quit milking cows yeah. in like the 40s.
0: <laughs> so I was living in this world, he was living in this world. And so that was navigating, you know, and acknowledging his influences were different than mine.
1: That yeah. And it's not that either one of those worlds were wrong. It's just like Jill said, it took a time for us to kind of come together and be like, okay, I see where you're coming from now, and, you know, vice versa.
0: Hey friends, I'm interrupting this episode for just a second to give you a very exciting announcement. The 2023 Old Fashioned On Purpose Planner is officially here and it is shipping out as we speak. So people ask me all the time how I keep all the moving pieces of our life going forward. And honestly, my biggest trick is I plan it all out. I write everything down and I live and die by my planner. And for many years, I couldn't find a planner or a calendar that really fit our unique old fashioned lifestyle. So I made one myself. This is our third year printing these. And I think this version is my favorite one yet. We updated the look. So it looks like an old fashioned ledger. And it has all the parts you need to keep your homestead running, whether your homestead is big and out in the middle of the country or it's just in your backyard. We have trackers for your kitchen, your garden and your farm animals. We have charts and inventories for pantries and seeds and garden planting and kitchen projects and menu planning. Uh, in addition to weekly spreads, monthly spread spreads and project planners. So it's way too much to tell you about in the middle of a podcast episode. So head on over to prairieplanner.com for all the details and a sneak peek of the inside. Plus we have sold out every single year with these. So do not wait to grab your own Uh, you can place your order over at prairieplanner.com. So happy planning, my friends. And now back to our episode. What did I do in those early years before you started really taking ownership and it was your own? There's two parts to this question. What did I do that made you feel pushed away from the homesteading lifestyle or what I was interested in? And what did I do that made you feel more friendly towards it?
1: I would say probably the main thing that made me feel, you know, that was that attracted me to it was when I had something to offer there. Again, it's hey, we want to build a greenhouse. You know, how do we get this done? What's it going to cost? What's it going to? You know, you finally recognizing, maybe not even finally, but you recognizing that okay, that you've got some building experience, and if you if anybody's going to build a greenhouse, in Wyoming, it's going to last. You probably could figure out how to do that. So I think once you kind of inadvertently kind of came around the bend, so to speak, of, okay, how do I approach Christian and figure out, let's capitalize on the knowledge that he has so that he has some buy-in on this and he can bring something to the table. And then once I adopted this idea, okay, once we decided we're going to spend this much money, we're going to build this greenhouse, now once I'm in there every day building it, now it's easier for me to get excited behind oh well, we could do this and we could do this and we could grow that you know now i want to go see other greenhouses i want to tour other people i want to see what other people have built i you know i want to i want to start learning how do we do a greenhouse management system which i'm working on right now how do we put geothermal in how do we do all this stuff that i got excited about where you didn't necessarily have to be like taking the lead on how do we make this work so to speak so i would say that that was the main thing probably the thing that scared me or that pushed me away uh I don't know, really, probably if I felt like I didn't have buy-in, you know, if I felt like, hey, I want you to build this, but I want you to build it in in my way, or mm-hmm. I want you to build me a chicken tractor out of pallets, you know, because Pinterest did it and I think it'll look cool, then I'm probably like, yeah, I'm not in, now, now I'm not excited about it at all. You know, that was yeah. probably the thing that, the, that was probably our biggest uh, hurdle that we overcame was coming together and figuring out how are we are going to build things? What are they going to look like? Because I have a very different brain in building things than Jill. Jill wants things done. You know, she's, she she likes things that look nice, but she just wants it done, where I'm way more OCD. I, I want it done, but I want it done right, and I want it done as best that it can be built. I want it, and, and my specialty is really doing things that other people can't do. You know, when you come in and look at it in my shop, or when you look at my desk that we're sitting at right now. Like, you don't buy this desk at Home Depot. You can't go buy my, the chicken tractor that I built at Home Depot because I just, that's how my brain works. And so a lot of times that kind of went against the grain for what you yeah. were trying to do in the business and on, you know, the Prairie Homestead, because it's like, how do I make something that somebody else can do? How do I make something that somebody else can be like, cool, let's, let's make this available to everybody. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that.
0: Yeah, we had a lot of <laughs> talks because I, I would try to make content that was duplicatable for you guys. And he is like, I want it so not duplicatable that no one can make this. And I'm like,
1: no. That (laughs) was when I knew I had succeeded. See, now I'm like, nobody can copy this. They can't steal my idea. (laughs) When we built the garden beds, the raised beds, we built that out of bridge decking steel. And and I remember Jill Jill be like, yeah, no, Jill's like, well, how do I tell these people? Can they just go to Home Depot and buy this corrugated steel? No, you can't buy corrugated steel. It's not going to work. That's not what we did. We built this differently. This is industrial grade stuff. So, you know, there again, it was yeah. like a feather in my hat because I'm like, ah, now nah, pe- yeah. my neighbor's not going to copy this from no. me. Now yeah. we have had some people reach out and sent me pictures on Instagram. Some people and have found it. Yeah, they've found it. And, and they're like, really hey, nice look jobs. at this, pal. I got this done. And I'm like, <laughs> sweet. You're one of the few.
0: <laughs> so I still get emails like weekly. What did you build your raised out of? Yeah. Well, good luck.
1: So that was not necessarily fair on Jill's part, but that's probably the main thing that kind of frustrated me because I came from a world where, you know, typically in construction, in commercial construction anyway, you're building things really out of the best materials that you can build. You're, you're building them the best way that you can build. And later on when I worked in the wind energy field and then later on after that I worked in the pipeline, you know, you come from the pipeline and the pipeline they spend – They spare no expense. Like They buy the best of the best of everything because they want everything to to run reliably and they don't want things to break. And so that was my mindset coming from that environment where you're spending millions of dollars building something to coming home and be like, hey, I would like you to build this out of pallets. Well, I don't work with pallets. We throw pallets in the dump.
0: (laughs) But I think that's a good takeaway for the listeners is that if you're struggling with your spouse, maybe there's a chance you could be trying to force them into what you think they should be doing to further the homestead dreams. And, you know, you, you still don't do gardening. You still don't garden. You've never, he's never made a loaf of bread. I don't need him to, I don't expect him to. That's fine. I'm more than happy to garden. He helps me build the greenhouse. He helps me build the beds when it comes to building. I put all the irrigation systems in, in, but like when it comes to
1: reason that the garden lives,
0: (laughs) but you don't weed like when I get bogged down on weeding, honestly, Oddly, it doesn't even occur to me to go help. Help! I need help with weeding. I figure out other ways to get it done because I just not that he wouldn't. If I got buried in weeds, he probably would help,
1: right? But I would probably roll in there (laughs) with the weed whacker.
0: See, yeah, or a flame (laughs) because my industrial
1: brain would kick in and go, "Okay, let's put the three point tiller on the tractor and we'll roll in and just start from scratch." No,
0: no, no. (laughs) So, like, there's there's aspects that I've learned over the years to let him shine in his engineering and his building, and then the rest, I I don't need him. That just sounds bad. I don't want him, or feel compelled to force you to weed, or make sourdough bread, or can. Yeah, you're just not gonna. It's just not for
1: no. you. No, it's not. And the thing is, is I think that is a key takeaway for people is you. People want to exist where they feel like you know they're thriving, and so Jill feels like she's thriving in that environment. She's she's happy and she's fulfilled there. Where if I'm pulling weeds, that's probably like this is a waste of time.
0: And I feel the same way about irrigation systems. I would like rather stick a pencil in my eye than figure out irrigation zones. You start talking about it and I'm just like.
1: Or a greenhouse management system or footers for a greenhouse or how to set trusses or things like that. Yeah. So, and that's the same thing that I would recognize, you know, when I get bogged down in that world, I don't immediately go to Jill and be like, hey, you're not supporting me in trying to figure out how to build this greenhouse. I need to know, you know. Should I go with something that has a hundred and thirty pound wind load or should I go with something that blah, 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 you know, because I know I'm she's gonna be lost. So we've we've learned to recognize that and appreciate that about each other versus maybe early on, that became kind of a sticking point for us where we were fighting each other. We felt like we weren't being seen or we felt like we weren't being heard, and that wasn't necessarily fair to the other person. If you feel like you're getting stuck, then I would ask you that that question where where are you asking your spouse or where are you asking the other person to help out what are you trying to implement your rules of engagement so to speak on them or are you saying you know what can you offer to this what can you bring to the table so that they can feel like they're being heard and they can feel like this is being a project and once they get involved as in my case things changed tremendously for me because now I just saw more and more areas of opportunity that I could bring things to the table. And then I took, you know, now I've got ownership in it and I want to be involved even more.
0: Yeah. It's a lot different now. It feels different. Even though I'm still doing, I mean, I still do things on my own. You
1: do things For sure. You know,
0: they're my babies, your babies. It just still feels different. Okay. So let's say someone is listening and they have a spouse who just flat out hates homesteading. Like they maybe, I've heard, I've had women tell me their husband like ridicules them for canning or growing things. They just, the husband just like, and it could be a wife too. I'm just assuming since we skew female on this audience. Um, if the spouse just hates it, what would you suggest?
1: Well, that's kind of a tricky one because I'm sure if you're in that position, you can feel sort of hopeless, you know, like you're being ridiculed for doing something and you're not being supported. Again, that's a little bit of a challenge because I don't feel like I was ever in that boat. You know, I don't feel like Jill was ever in that boat. But I think the important thing would be to stick with your why. Why are you doing this? If this is important to you and you understand why you're doing it, then keep doing that.
0: Yeah. <coughs> and I think that.
1: Well, thank you. I'm dying. <clears throat> um,
0: what was I going to say?
1: I think the main thing is is that you you've got to tie it to your why. You've got to know why you're doing it. And that why, and I guarantee you, maybe even a Jill went through this period of little bit where I was totally absent. You know, there there was a time when I wasn't the best husband in the world, but she knew and she was stubborn enough and she had enough stick to it enough that she that it was tied to her internal why. Of, this is why I'm doing this. I'm not doing this. She was not doing this because it was a family thing for her. She wasn't doing it because it was, a, you know, she was doing it for me. At the end of the day, she might have wanted to provide a entirely home cooked, home prepared, you know, every ingredient came from our place uh, recipe or meal. But that didn't have to happen for everybody else's satisfaction. It didn't have to happen for everybody else's fulfillment in order for her to be fulfilled from that. And I know there was times where she would take pictures and post them online probably like 10 or 15 years ago. you know, I'd still remember when it was like a slab of roast beef with gravy and potatoes and some green beans and everything came from our place. And she was like walking on cloud nine and I was proud of it. I remember, I remember even back then showing my coworkers and being like, look, we grew every one of these ingredients. They came off of our place. We raised that cow. We butchered this steer. I think it was a steer that we butchered ourselves. It
0: was our first steer. <laughs> so it was horrible meat. It was absolutely
1: horrible. But yeah, you know, it was like shoe leather. <laughs> so, but still, I didn't know how to cook it anyway. Still, like she was, she was walking on cloud nine. And the reason that she was able to do that and stay fulfilled with that is because she understood her why. Like that was the main thing.
0: Yeah, and like it sounds bad, or maybe selfish, but the truth is, is I was, I was doing it for me. My family, my kids benefited and my husband benefited uh, and our land benefited. And I, if you would have asked me back then I would say, Oh, I'm doing this for my kids or my family. But really I was getting a major charge off of doing all of it. Like I needed that in my life at that point. I needed the challenge. I needed the excitement. I needed the learning. Um, and so I just plugged along and I think
1: So if you're in the boat where you feel like you're totally trapped and you're not supported, then I would ask you to take it back to why are you doing this and recognize that you still have the freedom to push forward and do it regardless of whether people around you are supporting it. Because I know Jill went through a period, maybe not even for me, but from the standpoint of she didn't have any friends, she didn't have any family, she didn't have anybody who was close by who was supporting her in this adventure.
0: Yeah, and I think that was a really valuable lesson And I think I talked about this on that other Q&A episode this season, but you must, no matter if you want to be successful in anything in your life, and I'm not just talking success in monetary terms, you must learn to be your own cheerleader. I see so many people waiting for someone to give them permission or approval, and it hamstrings them every single time. You have to stop looking for your mom or your dad or your sister or your best friend or your church group or your mom friends to tell you that what you're doing is okay, because most of the time they're not going to. I mean, there has been so many things, I get really like wild eyed about this. There's been so many things we've done that we didn't have support. And it wasn't that our f- friends and family were like actively throwing rocks at us, but they just weren't excited. And to be fair, maybe they, maybe we looked crazy and we, they shouldn't have been excited, but I didn't need them to be excited. We did it anyway. What would my,
1: my saying is, you know, we've, we've said this lots of times between the two of us. In fact, I just recorded a podcast on this myself, but is no one's coming to save you. And sometimes people get triggered by that, and they're like, oh, you know, Jesus is coming to save you. Well, that's not my point. Jesus is coming to save you, but he's not going to be there to bail you out of building your greenhouse, or he's not going to be there to provide that why to build your greenhouse, or he's not going to be there to to provide that why to go build your compost pile, or to turn your compost, or to figure out how to make homemade bread, or to figure out how to make kombucha, or something like that. That internal why comes from you. And so when people recognize that, when people understand, okay, I'm going to do this because I want to do this and not because my husband says I can do it or because my wife says I can do it. I mean, trust me, if we've wanted to turn the tables on this conversation, we can have all kinds of conversations about things that I've built in the last 15 or 16 years that wasn't Jill's
0: thing.
1: No. You know, I've got a massive shop right on the other side of this door where we've built all kinds of cool stuff. I've got a huge stereo system out there and I love to listen to loud music. And my wife does not <laughs> like to listen to loud music. But that, am I, am I going to ter- internalize that and be like, well, fine. I just can't do it now. No, this is still my thing. This is still stuff that I like to do. I still like to weld. I still like to do all the stuff that's out in the shop that's with my hands, where she's getting the fulfillment of putting her hands in the dirt and pulling slugs off of her cabbage. I'm like, let's go find something to weld or yeah, blow up guess. or cut up or whatever.
0: That's a good analogy because there's been times when you like you do your little engine things out here
1: my, my little <laughs> little, engine things? Yeah. like switch
0: an engine out in a truck it's like yeah. on the lift and it's like a whole thing and you guys are like flying high because you just did this huge thing and i'm like cool bro. She carry <laughs> less. but i mean i i'm excited for you but i cannot appreciate it to the extent that you can appreciate it but if yeah. but you're not waiting for me like i i'm happy you're doing it like i'm not against working on trucks but it's not my thing and but you don't wait for me to tell you pat you on the head
1: for it so what would you say to the audience in if i had been adamantly against you doing homesteading what would you have done
0: i would have done it anyway yeah. <laughs> i mean i would have tried to be probably semi-respectful to not just like cause massive tension in, in the way i was doing it because i think there's a way you could do it that's um cognizant of the other person in a way you could do it that's obnoxious
1: yeah you could do it in a way that's malicious and trying to start a fight. Yeah.
0: But I think I would have done it anyway. And maybe, you know, when I think of anytime I think about winning someone over to this lifestyle, whether it's a spouse or a family member or a neighbor or a friend, you know, um, peace offerings go a long way. Like cookies with homegrown eggs and homemade butter, like can turn even the most adamant Walmart shopper, you know, get them to think twice or someone who, you know, doesn't like the idea of of home raised ingredients it's hard to imagine that because there's more and more people are into it now but there that used to be more common yeah
1: there's definitely been a shift in today's culture compared to what it was yeah. before like but, we
0: had people who were adam were just adamant that we were going to kill ourselves with eating our own meat and eating things that weren't from the grocery store that's or drinking milk or drinking the milk yeah, that was, was a big, big thing. thing Or like
1: people have been um, drinking milk straight from the cow for a lot more many many more years than they've been drinking milk from the grocery store but still in our, today, you know, it's more recognized today, but 15 years ago, that was like, yeah.
0: So I think you can always win someone over with, with a gift of eggs or maybe make the, a pie that they really like with from scratch and getting to start like slowly indoctrinating them into the lifestyle in ways that would, they would find appealing. I think goes a long way and not, and that, and that being said, you put that out there and then you're not attached to the outcome. right you can't be sitting there hoping that it changes their mind because then you're just gonna be disappointed So how would
1: that shift then from a husband and wife team because now it's more now you are tied to the outcome
0: i still think though like let's say you're you have a a a spouse who loves junk food i've heard this happens more often than not they love they love their junk food they love their fast food and you have the other spouse who's like really convicted about organic whole food from scratch um i'd say you know find some common ground. Sometimes you're making the food that they like. Maybe you compromise and you do some box macaroni and cheese, if that's their jam or velveeta cheese on occasion, even though it maybe makes you die inside, you just <laughs> try to keep it, you know, try to, to play both sides. But then also when you can, when there's something you know how to make that really shines, put it out there. Don't push it on them. Don't nag them about it, but just see what happens and just keep offering and keep offering. And if they don't like it right away, that's fine. But just keep putting it out there. I think that's
1: And stay consistent in the work that you're doing. If you're consistent in pushing forth for that type of lifestyle, then that speaks volumes to the other party. If I would have seen Jill do it, you know, pushing for this homestead lifestyle, but then at the same time be like, well, you know, I don't care if we eat McDonald's three, four times a week then I'd have been like, well, wait a minute. This doesn't really add up. This this does, doesn't look good. Or if we'd had a milk cow, you know, but then the, the consistency and the discipline of saying, okay, I'm going to milk this cow every single day, regardless of what the weather's like. And I've got to bundle up two little kids and take them down to the barn and find a way to, for them to be entertained without iPads while I milk this cow and it's 10 degrees or it's 10 below. You know, if she'd have just all of a sudden said, yeah, I don't want to do this. This is too hard. We pick up a gallon of milk tonight on your way home from work. And then I, that would have been a totally different story for me, but she knew her why, and she was disciplined enough and consistent enough to stick with that why and to keep that moving forward. And that spoke volumes to me on how serious she was. And it was a lot easier for me to come along and be supportive w- when I see that.
0: And I think sometimes that's the consistency is a good point because there are different personality types in humans. If you guys have some of my older planners, we have the four personality types. There's like the farm dog and rooster and like milk cow and, I don't remember the other one. Anyway, but um, some of those personality so types. Was I farm dog? I don't remember. <laughs> I, I saw. I'm on the spot now. I came, went completely blank <laughs> on the whole thing. But there's a, a couple personality types that are prone. We call them like the visionaries. Um, they're prone to be really into new ideas, and they love starting, but they're not as good as at finishing. And that's it's not a bad personality type. It's just a way that some humans are wired. And sometimes when you're that personality, you have to really fight to keep yourself like you start something new, but you have to keep yourself consistent. And so perhaps, I'm just saying, maybe if you are that personality type and you're introducing a brand new grand idea to your spouse every week, they may be going, we'll see how long they stick with it before they really come on board. So it might, you might just have to show up, like Christian was saying, and just keep doing the thing over and over. And then eventually they'll see that this is not going away.
1: Yeah. So. Don't lose the hope. You know, like I say, if you know why you're doing this and you're doing it for you, uh, that's the most important reason. It doesn't mean that other people can't get benefit from it, but you got to be doing it for you first. Jill had to be doing this for her first. I have to be doing the things in my life for me first in order for me to fill the cup of other people. And Jill's the same way. If, If she's not filling her own cup, then she can't offer me anything. And so... Sometimes we get that mixed up in life. Sometimes we're like, no, I have to do this for somebody else. Like I want to homestead so that my husband and my kids can eat all of this food. But if they don't see the why behind that and you don't, and you're not tied to the why behind it, it's not going to mean anything to them.
0: I think maybe one other bit of encouragement is, um, with the rapid rise of homestead content, on places like YouTube and Instagram. I mean, it's fabulous, right? It's blowing up the movement. But there's also a lot of these homestead influencers. I really hate the word influencer, but I don't know what to call it because I guess I could be called a homestead influencer, to be fair. Like people like us, and there's a lot of friends of ours who are in the same boat. Like we make a career creating homestead content. So we we have a unique situation where we are both now basically homesteading full-time. That was unheard of, 15 years ago when we started and it's not necessarily how do I how do I say this it's normal but it's not normal you guys know what I mean like it's normal historically where the family was home on the farm but I don't want you to feel like if you don't have your husband quitting his job and coming home to weed the garden and bake bread with you all day that you're a failure in the homestead world because you're not there's plenty of people who are doing this with one spouse working full-time one spouse staying at home both spouses working outside of the home on occasion like you don't have to look like the YouTube homesteaders I guess is what I'm saying to be able to homestead successfully and have it be very fulfilling to you.
1: And since you brought up influencers, I will just say, if you are an influencer and you're in the homesteading world and your aspirations are to be able to bring your husband home, if you, cause I've heard this like many times people will be like, my goal is to build you know, a homesteading platform or whatever kind of platform that is big enough that it provides enough money that I can retire my husband. And I would hear people say this 10 or 15 years ago, and it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. It just, it literally triggered me. And I remember telling Jill, I'm like, do not ever say that to me. Like that cannot be your goal. That cannot be your why to do what you're doing and build the business that you're trying to build. Even though at that particular time, you didn't really recognize it as, hey, this is going to be a business for me. Yeah. You know, this was just something that you were doing that was fulfilling to you, even though it was still making you money. But still, I'm like, this is your thing. This is not my thing from the standpoint of, yeah, you're going to retire me. because. And I had people come to me later on and be like, well, how come you haven't quit your job? What do you expect me to do, like, lay on the couch all day and eat Cheetos and watch TV? Like, I like to work. So it had to be my thing.
0: It comes back to the ownership piece.
1: Well, it was a huge ownership. And Jill and I had thousands of conversations, like probably thousands of hours worth of conversations before I ever quit my job to come home and be like, okay, how do we build these businesses together and how do we start new businesses and what does that look like? Because then I had the ownership. I didn't have the ownership in it prior to that. And so I'm just giving you some encouragement to make sure you understand kind of those those boundary lines of what your why is versus what your spouse's why is. Because if you're, you know, you, you could say the wrong things that would push them away, that would trigger them even more.
0: And that's a great segue. Because that topic is a very deep topic with you. You're very passionate about that topic. Uh, And you actually started something new recently.
1: I did. I I tend to start a lot of new things.
0: (laughs) You stick with most of them. (laughs) Um, Tell us about your new venture.
1: So I've started a podcast called Stop Hiding and Start Leading. And it is really driven towards uh, men Who who most of the time are married, have kids, and probably you know if they don't own their own business, they work. And so I've taken the 15 years of my past experience and the life that I had and the things that I've done and the stuff that I've burned to the ground because you know while this is easy to to illuminate as a shining star, I definitely was not for a period of my uh, of our relationship where I was not showing up in full power. I was not showing up to my full capacity, and so I've started this podcast to help lead men out of that and i love it i mean it's something that i'm extremely passionate about i've always been passionate about you know showing up to do difficult things jill and i recognized that about each other when we were dating you know and it was like where did this come from because it's not a huge thing in my family it's not a huge thing in her family but yet we meshed completely on what we wanted to do what we were willing to put ourselves through and so i've always been passionate about that and now I want to be able to help other people and be like, hey, you know, it's not that I consider myself some big guru that says, hey, I can, you know, I can snap my fingers and fix your life. I, I don't, I don't profess that. What what I do say is, is that I know where I have gone. And I know what steps I have taken. And I know where I'm at on this ladder, so to speak, you know, I and I, I can help you out from step like 247 to like, step number 280 or something like that. It's not that I can take you from step one to step 10,000. It's, this is where I've been. And there was periods of my life where, you know, I either wished that I had somebody who could just be, you know, it's just like, I want to get one rung up on this ladder. I want to figure this one thing out and I can't do it. And I keep failing and I keep slipping back and I keep falling. And what I would have given to just have somebody say, here, let me help you up that one rung. Not that they got to take me to the top of the mountain. I can't see the top of the mountain half the time but they can take me that one step. So that's yeah. what I've been working on.
0: Yeah. That's good. You've had really good feedback on it. It's it's totally different than this podcast guys. So, which I think is good. Yeah. It's not a how to homestead podcast. You talk about our cattle stuff and you, you're using our life as object lessons, but it's really deeper than that. It's really kind of more of that personal development, wake up. Leadership. Leadership
1: stuff. Especially, and I honestly, I have a lot of women that listen to this podcast too. And even though it's not necessarily directed at them, um, women are leaders too. Jill was a huge leader. She was a huge influencer, not only in my life, but in in a lot of people's lives. And so there's, there's a lot of women who have gotten something out of it too. Like it, it applies name. across the board. We all have the ability to sort of step back into the shadows, so to speak. When you're in the shadows, the light's not on you. You're off the radar. Nobody's paying attention to you. If you screw up in the shadows, nobody notices, but you also can't go anywhere there. You're, you're stuck. And it's not until you step out into the light and you start doing something that you can grow, but now the light's on you. Now you're on the radar. Now people can see when you screw up. Now all this stuff starts to happen and it makes people uncomfortable. And so that's what I'm passionate about figuring out. How do we help people through that?
0: It's good. So stop hiding with Christian Winger. You'll, if you search it on all the major podcast platforms, it'll come up. You have a a number, what, what, 10 episodes? 11
1: or 12, something like that. And then what's your
0: Instagram handle?
1: It's Christian Winger on Instagram, or Stop Hiding. And he has some little I'll clips of preview,
0: uh, previews of the podcast and stuff. So I'm fairly active
1: out. there. So yeah. I, I post pretty regularly there, and it's all the same kind of stuff. Sweet. Get out of the shadows. Get
0: out of the shadows. What else? Did we miss anything?
1: I think that's all I was instructed to talk about. <laughs> it's, it's, all <laughs> it's all scripted. It's
0: all scripted. Um, okay, sweet. Well, I think we're going to do another... We'll probably continue to do. I think we need to do more. So, or yeah, I think so, we should probably episodes. do them like
1: once a month or something. Yeah.
0: I think the next topic that people asked us to speak to was the beef business. How we started the beef business as first generation ranchers, which is a whole thing, guys. Like most, it's just hard harder yeah. to do than if you're
1: doesn't <laughs> have a family often. operation.
0: That was a whole story, and then just kind of the ins and outs of how we've been doing our beef stuff because a lot of folks are like, "How do you ship and why? And how does it work?" Because it took us a long time to figure it out. We had a lot of drama around getting our freezer built and getting our shipping figured out. So we'll just kind of break that down for you. Um, Let's see. I think when you're listening to this episode, the following week is Christmas. We're going to take that week off and then we'll be back to finish up the season. I have a bunch of awesome guests. Christian will be back. I'll be speaking on some solo episodes and we have some really great folks to come on. So um, if I don't speak to you before then. Have a wonderful Christmas. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And we'll talk soon friends.